Welcome All to right. my fucking show! <laughs> Thanks for coming to the backyard, everyone! Let me tell y'all what it's like Watching Family Guy every night It's a bitch if you don't smoke weed Listen up <laughs> to my pal Stewie Shimon You guys enjoying the summer so far? Woo! Woo! I got gags running through my brain Cutaways that are so insane All alone in Peter's house of pain Shake your booty while Chris complains. All right. All right. All right. All right. Here comes the chorus. Let's go. I'm rocking Rhode Island. Just like Joe and Cleveland do. I'm rocking Rhode Island. Except that they've got Stewie too. I'm rocking Rhode Island. I watched the show and faced the facts that Seth MacFarlane's made some bad ones. The family guy still fucking slaps. Woo-hoo! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that was my one, <laughs> one, one portion cover of Rockin' the Suburbs by Ben Folds 5. Thanks for coming to the Backyard Show. Now get the fuck uh, out of here. Brother, consider my suburbs rocked. Yeah, dude. Considers my suburbs fucking rocked. That was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty funny. Pretty funny. Pretty nice. <sighs> Mason. Hey, what's up, bro? Hey. It's another day in quarantine, and yeah, it's one Monday. more night in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think that I could um, go to Walgreens for a snack without having a panic attack, wish I could. Damn, a little internal rhyme on that one. No, 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 no. I said a little internal rhyme on that one, yes, Mason. That was I, nice. I heard you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much. We were talking before we started. We're feeling a little, a little doldrums, little, but kind of not low, only are we, low energy. Here. We're feeling low energy, but guess what, Mason? We didn't What's even uh, plan this. Well, by this time this comes out, we'll have well, gotten it. But yes. as of tomorrow, as of this recording. Mm-hmm. You and I are getting our first shot on the same fucking day. We getting fucking shoddied, baby. Getting vaxxed up. Getting that good, good 5G implant. I cannot <laughs> wait to be able to access deviled eggs recipe literally at the snap of my fingers. I cannot wait to be able to call up Bill Gates and say, thank you, Papa. Let me suck your milky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me suck your milky out. <laughs> Bill Gates. Oh, God. Uh, I was talking man. to my dad because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's my dad. Your dad, Bill Gates. I was talking to my father, Bill Gates. And I said, yeah, Paul Allen was really the brains behind this, <laughs> this whole thing. You pretty much did jack shit. And he was like, well, you know, worked out pretty nice for you and for me. And I was like, you're right, Papa. I'm gonna let me suck your milk. <laughs> let me suck your milky out, Papa. Sorry. <sighs> Uh, what's man. on your sweatshirt, dude? Tell everyone what's on your sweatshirt today. Milwaukee Brewers. Let's go. America's number one team. You think so? I think so. Uh, probably. Anytime. I, um, I'm from a White Sox family, but I got this sweater um, for Christmas one year from my sister because they had a surplus at our Goodwill. <laughs> and we went to Goodwill one day to do some grocery to, <laughs> to do some clothes shopping. Sure. Um, and I was trying to check out and get home and my sister was enamored, enraptured by these, by these sweaters. Okay. And I was being a little, I was being a little brat about it, about her good time. And so she got me one for Christmas and now (laughs) it's my sleepy time comfy sweater. And I'm don't, I, I just feel it in my heart with this, that the Milwaukee Brewers are America's number one team, baby. Yeah, and it's America's interesting. Team. You're what you're saying out of your own free will as well. Your sister doesn't have a fucking gun pointed at the back of your head right now as you're saying it. So right, very cool. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just right, exactly, exactly. It's all okay. Mind. So welcome to the show. Welcome to it's on the list. <laughs> uh, this is this is the show about underrated albums and movies and a lot, just a lot more. It's just it's just honestly, I said this. I think in 
to maybe to you, maybe not to you like through Zoom. But this is the show where we talk a little movies, we talk a little music, but more than anything, this is the official Family Guy podcast. Yeah. yeah. This is the official Family Guy podcast. There is actually an official Family Guy podcast called Those oh, Good sure. Old Those Good Old Fashioned Values, and they've actually had uh Felix Biederman <laughs> from Chapo Trap House and like at least two of the three podcast about list guys have been on that show. At least Caleb and Patrick have been on that show. I don't so you're trying to angle us for a spot on that particular? I, fuck, dude. Yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go on that show. I think they're done talking about Family Guy, though, because they didn't go episode by episode because obviously be doing it for, yeah. you know, fucking eight years probably so they yeah. did season by season which like still that oh isn't, sure that's sure, sure. a lot to talk about There's oh you did tell seasons. me about this show you did tell me about this show yeah 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 yeah. i think that that's such a smart way to handle something like that um yeah uh damn so maybe they'll be on our show one day <laughs> yeah maybe maybe, about, maybe we can get we'll blue harvest <laughs> dude absolutely blue harvest or the untold stewie griffin story or what is it? What was the th- second one called? Like Eek, it's flying or something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember. I remember watching um, Blue Harvest on my friend's, I think iPod Video or iPod Touch on a band trip. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, on the way back from I think U of I. Okay, um, so I have it here on Wikipedia. The official trilogy of the of the Family Guy <laughs> Star, Wars Star Wars parodies. parodies. It's called Laugh It Up, Fuzzball, the Family Guy trilogy. Uh, okay, so the first episode was Blue Harvest in 2007, uh, obviously. Uh, it was followed up by Something, 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 Dark Side. That was the one that I was trying oh, to think Oh, right, right, right. I think I watched that one, too. Uh, you've watched them all. And then the last one is called <laughs> It's a Trap. So you've watched them all. Uh, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, the trilogy was released on Blu-ray and DVD in the U.S. on December 21st, 2010, just in time for the holiday season, of course. Uh, Its title comes from the phrase Han Solo said to Chewbacca in Empire Strikes Back as the latter was laughing at the former. Um, So kind of a little bit of inappropriate humor, I think, you know, not nice to laugh at your friends. But that's what I crave when I go watch Family Guy, Mason. And uh, that's what I crave when I'm with you is a little bit of inappropriate humor as well. (laughs) I'm craving a White Castle hamburger. Are you actually? A little bit. Damn. That's how advertising fucking works, man. Uh, uh, it does. That's you, the you fucked said up crave, part. and you said crave, and my mind connected to uh, White Castle, especially because there was a White Castle that was very close to my high school, and so that was like a quick lunch option. Or when you were hanging out with friends, you just get like a big ass crave case or something. I didn't even um, know that White Castle extended out that far because it's not on the West Coast at all. So I've actually never had it. They're from. Um, New Jersey, I believe right? that the first White Castle. Oh, they're from New Jersey? I thought it was always... I thought it was from Chicago because it was, like, a family favorite, first and foremost, too. Like, it was a favorite of my grandparents, even. Damn. Um, so I always assumed that it was a Chicago institution, and uh, maybe it is from Jersey. Are you looking this up right now? Yes. Uh, okay. Our history. I'm on the White Castle website. The official White Castle. Is it whitecastle.gov? It is whitecastle.gov. Uh, okay. In 1921... Billy Ingram launched a family-owned business with $700 and an idea, selling five-cent small square hamburgers that uh, just tell me where they were. <laughs> just tell me where it is. It's first first fast food ham. Oh, they were the first fast food hamburger chain in the history in 1921. Right where now. did you fucking start? Uh, is there? Okay, white. Where did white? Ca- hold on. <laughs> Where did White Castle start? It's noble that you're trying to get this from the source and not just by going on Wikipedia or something. Okay. So according to according to Google, when you type in where did okay. White Castle start, it says Wichita, Kansas, which I really was not like expecting. And now I'm on the Wikipedia. And I need you more than once. A five cent hamburger. <laughs> and I want a five cent hamburger all the time. Yeah, it says Wichita, Kansas. hundred. And the, the Wichita Mason, hamburger. shut up for a second, dude. <laughs> 100, we're celebrating a hundred years of White Castle this year. March 10th, no 1921. No so, happy, yeah, happy we just had the hundredth uh, birthday Chantan. of White Castle. So um, Maybe to celebrate, you should go get yourself a White Castle hamburger. No, you zoomed Uh-oh. on me. 
This is a fun change of pace. Oh, you're back. You you zoomed on me, bud. You zoomed on my side. Fuck, you zoomed on my side. We got double zoomed. Just cut that we out. Got double zoomed. No, it's staying in. Anyways, 100 <laughs> years of White Castle. 100 years of White Castle. That is something to celebrate. There are 377 locations. Uh, oh, yeah. Founded by Bill Gates. That's a little more than I'd think. Okay. So maybe we're actually getting maybe we're getting White Castle injected into us when we get that vaccine tomorrow. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Mason, should What's we up? should we actually do what we the people want us to do and talk about some album and movie? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, well, I br- well I brought the album today. Okay. You so, want to talk about the album. So maybe I should talk about the album. Uh, okay, the album today is from 2001, but it wasn't mm. actually recorded in 2001. And we'll get into that What? Later. I What? I know. I know. If you can fucking believe that. <laughs> if, wow. you can, if you can fucking believe that, uh, it was recorded late, before 2001. We're talking about Innocence and Despair. By the Langley School's Music Project today. Woo-woo. Let's get some snaps Woo-woo. going in the chat for that Woo-woo. one. Let's get some Fs in the chat. Let's get some Ws in the chat. Let's get the uh, the purple devil emoji going in the chat. The smiling imp. The smi- is is that what it's called? It's the smiling imp. That's what it's called on the on the Slack keyboard when you do uh, colon to look for a quick response to something in the Slack chat. It's called the smiling imp. That's gross. I, honestly, yeah. dude, I don't. I don't mean to be I don't mean to be vulgar, but that is fucking gross. To be honest, with it you. is fucking gross. It's stu- it's stupid that I uh, said that on mic. <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid that you That's say getting cut out, stupid. but the, the thirty second long zoom does not. It's actually pain. it's embarrassing a lot of things you say on mics, and that is not one of them. That's true, hand. but right. Uh, we're talking about innocence and despair by the Langley School's Music Project today, and you might be asking yourself, what is, what in the actual motherfuck is the Langley School's Music Project? Well. We'll talk about that later, uh, because that is part of the fast facts section <laughs> of the show, <laughs> but not the part that happens before the fast facts section of the show. Uh, but Mason, we were going to talk about this actually a couple episodes ago. We were going to talk about it during the sort of Western themed episode, but when you oh, right. when you had proposed both the Harold Lloyd short and uh, Ride in the World Ride Wind. in the Whirlwind, thank you, my yes. favorite movie that we've ever covered on the show. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I can, I can do something that fits that theme a little bit better, a little bit better than the Langley School's Music Project would. So I put it on the back burner, and I was like, what am I going to pick this week? And I'm like, oh, I'm picking this, because we were going to talk about it a couple weeks ago anyway. But mm-hmm. but prior to me originally introducing you to this a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, when I mm-hmm. said I want to do it on the show, had you ever heard this before? A handful of these tracks were, were Discover Weekly staples for a little bit for that period of time. We're, we're just playlist staples like that where, you know, you would throw in a little a little uh, children's choir version of Good Vibrations for a Spice, basically. But I sure. cannot recall ever listening to the full um, album before. Let me check when. And that being said, I think the earliest I would have heard something from this for the first time would be like 2016. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, or 2016 or 17. I cannot remember. Um, let me see if I ever liked a song on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, let's see if you've ever liked a song before. Yeah, this will take a while. Well, literally the only song that I've liked on Spotify is The Big Shit by Brian Eno. That's not true. Um, <laughs> Damn. That's fucked, actually, dude. Langley School's Music Project. Let's find it in my Discover Weekly. Uh, 2016. Oh, June of 2016. Holy shit. Um, I gave a little heart to God Only Knows, which makes sense because that's also when I was um, around that time was when I was really listening to a lot of Beach Boys and Ancillary Beach Boys stuff. Sure. Um, so that got dropped in, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then it just became a sort of other regular feature that you would just see on just other Spotify playlists that either your friends made or would just show up again on your Discover Weekly, and you're like, no, 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 you already told me to listen to this. Um, but the whole album, I can't remember listening to top to bottom until I was prepping for this particular episode. Um, oh, when did you hear this? How did this come? How did this come up in your life? Dude, this was on my Discover Weekly, too. What? You might be asking yourself, can he say that? And yeah, he can. 
Uh, this came up on my, and like I said, and I don't really even use my Discover Weekly, to be honest with you. Like, I right. very sparingly go on there, but because of you always talking about things that you had discovered through this show on Discover Weekly, whether I've liked them or not, probably not, uh, <laughs> I decided that I needed to go check out what was on my Discover Weekly, and the Desperado cover was on mm. my Discover Weekly, and I was, like, immediately hooked. I was like, this fucking rocks. This is a great cover for a multitude of reasons, which we will get into later. Uh, and I was hooked immediately. And so I was like, what is this from? This is crazy. Do people know about this? And I just started looking into it more. I looked into sort of the back story of how this album and how these recordings came to be. And I was like, that's so cool. I definitely have to bring this on to the show and Mason, this is only like a two or three month old discovery for me. Like this is a very mm, recent discovery gotcha. for me. Like I said, I gotcha. barely, very rarely use my Discover Weekly on Spotify. Uh, unlike the other hosts of the show who uses it, uh, I would say I don't know every week. No, not quite nearly that often anymore. Yeah. It was a weekly habit of mine to listen to that playlist and then pick out my favorites and make another playlist out of that. Uh, I still do make monthly playlists, but now it's a little. I try to curate from other places besides the discover weekly also i just log on to see what's what could be in there on a week-to-week basis and nothing particularly jumps out at me frequently but yeah now you're going to mew for all your music recommendations yeah 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 yeah, yeah. kind of spending a yeah. actually i meant to talk to you about that you're actually spending a lot of time there when i think that maybe you could be prepping for the show and helping the show out so <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should spend less time on mew who cares? You can spend whatever time on me you want. Um, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this. And I listened to the whole album. And uh, it's just got sort of this quality that I don't think a lot of other things do. You know, a recording of yeah. a choir of children singing music uh, recorded in the 70s, uh, mm. in the mid-70s. It just has such a specific quality to it of, like, it's both beautiful and, like, mm-hmm. pure, you know, in the mm-hmm. sense that these kids are just singing their hearts out uh, for songs that, you know, because you remember music class, you know, when you're, like, a little kid. And it's like, we're singing, like, Yankee Doodle Dandy and, like, bullshit like that. But these kids are getting the opportunity to sing what were hits of the day, you know. Yeah. They, they were, like, yeah. getting the opportunity to sing fucking David Bowie and the Beach Boys and all that shit. Um, whereas in school, I feel like a lot of the times the music teachers will pick some, like like, public domain ass, like, parade yeah. song you know what i mean right yeah uh huge i was a you were i was in the music program through elementary and high school um and we would do songs that like especially in jazz band we would do songs that like um people knew but nothing this as contemporary as these songs were when they were being recorded you know like it was very rare that we would do kind of a well-known song in our in our kind of repertoire um and it was even less frequent that if it was a well-known like kind of popular song it was from at least the the same decade (laughs) if not like the decade prior um so that's what's really fascinating about this to me is that these kids had the freedom to sort of sing and perform songs that are of their sort of generation. Like I was thinking about this. If there was a comparable, um, I guess event, um, at your school and you were seeing you and your friends were singing like the big songs of that time. Like what would you, what would your Langley schools music project Damn. songs be? So I got to you know, cause these kids are like nine to 12 is what I read as they were, they were like, mm-hmm. it was like the ages that they were. So like, I was like nine. I was nine in the mid two thousands. Yeah, and I was twelve in also the late in the late two thousands. So the mid to late two thousands. Fuck. What do you think music came out during that time, dude? I think like Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> yes, you know, my like, humps, dude. Yeah, get it. I guess I guess I kind of answered my question because you could have just looked up whatever was like on a kids' bop CD <laughs> at that time. Well, that's kind of what it was, dude. Is like this is like the first kind, recorded is, kids' yeah. bop. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? This is Kids right. Bop. It's lo fi it's lo fi kids bop. It is. It is lo fi <laughs> yeah. kids bop, but like you know, whatever. You're thinking, okay, these guys are talking about it. But a- I don't want it, but it's much more interesting than that. It's 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 not quite it, it's Well you might you think say that lo- it's like gimmicky or whatever, that it's like these kids yeah, from like so a novelty. Long ago. 
Yeah, and there is yeah. a little bit of you know a novelty to it. It's like okay, absolutely, absolutely. They, absolutely. You probably wouldn't hear this being played on you know the pop station, or maybe even back in the day, you probably wouldn't even be hear this played on the radio. But yeah, I, I believe that I, it was released by a a uh, an experimental or kind of outsider label when it finally got a like a vinyl re release in the early two th- or the earlier mid two thousands. That might be in your fast facts, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's more of like that kind of. <laughs> well, it's like I mean it's 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 like beautiful. Like it just is beautiful. Like I don't think Kids yeah. Bop is beautiful. Kids Bop is maybe fun for kids. I actually remember owning the first Kids Bop CD and listening to it on the right, way to preschool right. with my mom. Right. Uh I didn't think it was beautiful or like moving or whatever, but I was like, "Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's exactly. kids who are my age singing." And, like, kids right. love to sing. Like, they just love, naturally, I think, to sing. I think music is, like, one of those things that, regardless of where you're from or, you know, what your background is, I think music is really, truly, and it sounds corny to say, but it is, like, a unifying force, I think, for people. Um, oh, absolutely. And especially yeah. kids, you know, it's like, oh, we, I don't know anything about that kid over there, you know, or whatever, but, like, hey, he likes the Beatles, cool. I like the Beatles too. We can talk about right. the Beatles, and that could be the basis of a friendship, you know, or whatever, or just something that you know connects everyone is this music, and that's what really strikes me about these recordings is it's like these kids are unencumbered by everything else that like life can throw at them, you know. In theory, they're at school, they're in this safe, you know, place, and this mm-hmm. guy, this music teacher, who we'll talk about, Hans Fenger, was like not a music teacher. You know, he was like mm-hmm. a musician who just happened to need a job. So they hooked him up with this job in Canada, you know, teaching music to these kids. And he, you know, I'll say it later in the Fast Facts, but he literally was like, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to teach elementary school, you know, middle school music. So I'm just going to have them sing what they want. You know, I'm going to have, what do you songs do you guys like? Cool. Let's do it. You know, and it yeah. kind of reminds me yeah. of, I feel like a lot of elementary schools do this. I thought my elementary school was so special for doing this back in the day. But did you guys ever have a composer come into the school and like write a song with you as like um, a third grader? Not when I was that young. When I was a, f- uh, not when I was that young. Um, no, the closest we had was we had a couple authors come and speak to us. But no music-related things. No similar music-related things. That's really cool that you got to do that, though. And what um, was his... I cannot remember his name for the life Was he, like, a local composer? or? A... Yeah, a local guy. Um, Michael... I think it was Michael... Oh, dude, if I'm if I'm about to... Na- dude, this will be crazy. If, if you're going to nail, nail this, this, this would be really cool. Is his name Michael Allen Harrison? Is that a real thing? I'm looking him <laughs> up again. <laughs> I feel like a composer maybe wrote a song for my high school orchestra. Dude, or my it choir. is. You got it? His name is Michael Allen Harrison. You can go to his fucking website. I remember this guy. I remember his Hell yeah, brother. shitty hair. Just terrible. <laughs> shitty hair? Yes, and he's from Portland. Holy shit, yes. Michael Allen Harrison. Hold on a second. Look up this fucking guy. I'm my looking God. him up. I got to get my phone up uh, and turn on my Wi-Fi because I put it on airplane mode when I'm recording podcasts because I'm a professional. Michael Allen Harrison. Yes, dude. His website looks like dog shit. <laughs> and you can like. Oh, he's one of those guys that has a song called Awakening. Oh, my God. Are you looking at him? I am looking at him. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. He came into our uh, into our uh, into our music class with Miss Henry. Oh, he's- as the teacher, uh, who later sold my dad a pair of men's shoes at Nordstrom one summer, and that was kind of awkward, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> this guy came into our class and like wrote a song with us, and all I can remember was like going about like going around the world or like all the places like in the world that like we wanted to visit or thought were cool. And I just mm-hmm. remember one kid was like, "We should have Bhutan in there," <laughs> and everyone was Rock like, "Can roll." Everyone was like, yeah, Bhutan is sick. That sounds great. So we put it in there. Uh, but the album is great. I think this is a great album. I think that there are songs on this that once mm-hmm. you listen to it the first time and you like give it its due or whatever, because I think it is worth one full listen all the way through. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And I don't think every single song hits, to be honest with you. I don't think like every single mm-hmm. song on here mm-hmm. is like a certified banger and like has that like magic to it that some of them do. But mm-hmm. I find myself all a lot coming back to the Desperado cover, to the uh, mm-hmm. to the Good Vibrations cover, Long and Winding Road, 
in my room, help me Rhonda, Mandy. Like there's like really good songs on here because not only are the kids singing well, but the arrangements are interesting. Like the music is actually interesting. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. And that's what I, that's kind of where I fall on this. Um, I put this on two times when I went on a walk Um, and when I was walking and listening to it um, and kind of just, you know, I I liked it, but I kind of had the same feeling that you did where it was like a couple of these tracks are just really hitting for me. Um, But there's some stuff on here that I just really just can't connect with for, you know, can't, can't connect with. And then this morning I uh, got up and I guess gave it one more spin, just like while lying in my bed for an hour um, and that was really, really nice and kind of how I would prefer and recommend people listen to it is just set aside an hour to listen to it. Um, cause it's basically, you know, um, I don't know, uh, if you had this experience, but I was in band as, as a kid and I performed at a lot of gyms in, in my school and other schools. I'm like, you know, going to contests or whatever the fuck. Sure. Um, and when you're that young, that's really fucking cool. Just like being in a booming place and playing, you know, just like out of tune instruments, very loud. Sure. Um, and all that to say, like as fun as that was, it would have been so much more fun to be in that ex- in same environment and doing this and just like listening and being with these kids as you, it's like they're having the time of their fucking life uh, and just really having just like space to uh, express themselves. It's kind of unforgivable and it's really worth um, experiencing. Um, I'm with you. I think this is, there's a beauty to this. This is really, really um, nice album. It's nice. <laughs> it's, but it's also not only does is there beauty to it, there is, on the other hand, and I think that's kind of what gives this album an edge to me, is the fact that whether it was intentional on the art, you know, on the part of the person who was recording, or just be the fact of, you know, these are the circumstances in which we are recording, there's like a very like found like file like element to this you know what i mean it's like very like it's just like so weird at times to hear it it feels like yeah the way that dex did when we first talked about it it's like i shouldn't be listening (laughs) to this like this is like almost like demented like this is like a cursed recording you know what i mean no, there's nothing sinister to it, but it's the same thing as like you know I got see I made uh or I have a a a, a small like just kind of binder full of CDs from when I was a kid, which sure. I love. I think it's a cool time capsule because it's like the Spider Man Two soundtrack. If it's, it's oh, Evanescence's nice. first album, it's just all stuff. It's like mixes that my dad made. Fuck. Um, but there's also like a band CD in there from like when I was a kid, like in concert band in fourth grade, and it's just like. Imagine if that CD got out at like a thrift store, someone bought it for a buck, and then 30 years later you have, you know, the Downers Grove Middle School, not a real place, but just for safety. No, sake. go ahead and drop Downers your Gro- real real middle school. All right, so the Prairie View Middle School <laughs> <laughs> concert Prairie View School concert band CD, you know, and it, it not, but it's to that point. I do like that this feels just like. There's no polish to this thing. It really is like probably the teacher, this musician teacher put the recording equipment on one side of the room totally. and then just like had the kids. And then any if there was like a solo or something, they would have to come closer to the mic. Um, but I like the kind of foundness of this thing as well. It's a really cool um Really cool, really cool thing. I'm looking at cool. uh, I'm looking at your elementary school on Google Maps right now, just so you know. Uh, this is a big this is a big episode for uh, looking things yeah. up during the record. Dude, What's your, your opinion? How how do you feel about it? Uh, it doesn't really look like a school. At least the photo that I'm looking at, it looks like a like like an old like not even old, I guess. But it doesn't really look like a school. At least the photo that I'm looking at, it like at least the front of the building or whatever this angle is. It kind of looks like like a doctor's office, maybe. Or something like that. A little bit. It does have it does have that kind of vibe, like Um, bureaucratic, like some sort of like institution or whatever. Not like a gross ass institution, but just like it doesn't look like an elementary school to me, at least. No, it very much does. It's crazy that you say that because now I'm connecting that that school kind of had a similar interior to like my dentist's office. I'm sure (laughs) it did, dude. You know. Interesting. 
interesting. <laughs> Maybe some things to reflect on there. Like, why was I getting yeah. my teeth worked on during second grade yeah, testing right. and everything? <laughs> um, but I do think that this is absolutely worth one spin because I think that once you get over the novelty of, like, kids doing covers of Space Oddity uh, and Sweet Caroline yeah. and Rhiannon and stuff, uh, it is very haunting. And you will find your favorites and you will go back to those favorites and sort of, you know, throw them out every once in a while. Like, literally, I do go back to the Desperado cover and the Rhiannon cover and the Sweet Caroline cover, and I will just listen to them if I'm, like, in the mood. It's a very particular kind of mood that I think you have to be in. Like, I'm not just going to, like, throw this on while I'm working out uh, or, like, maybe not when I'm just, you know, going for a drive or whatever, you know, or just running errands. But if you're in the right mood, this fucking hits. I just think that it's, like, like, nothing else really scratches the itch of something like this. So uh, not to get ahead of the Mercedes Valuable Player in my recommendation, but uh, I really enjoyed this album, and I'm glad to bring it to the sh- uh, to the show. And I hope that the reason I really picked it in the first place was more than anything to get the album out there, more than anything. You know, like I wanted people to know <laughs> about it because of this show, whatever that means. Like, you know, if you never – it really is one of those like – why would you know about this album? Like, why would anyone really yeah. know about this unless they know about it? You know, it's like, if you know, you know. And I just want more people to know about it. So that was really why I brought it to the show. That's all I really have to say about it, I guess. I think it's just a good album, and I think people should listen to it, and you'll find favorites. But do you have anything else to say, or should we get into some fast facts? Let's get into some fast facts. I think that basically co- I think you basically covered all of my feelings. I think that it's a... Uh it is definitely worth at least one spin. Um, and I think that, uh, I'm curious to hear like what your other favorites, like what you gave the heart, so to speak to from these. Um, sure. Cause, cause I really loved, um, I guess I'll just go into this. I yeah. really loved, um, on this time around, like listening to it for the first time, I guess like my first discoveries, I really liked the long and winding road. Yeah. That's great. I, yeah. I thought that, um, the cover of Mandy was actually really good. The I cover really of Mandy that. is really good. It actually is uh, better than the, the fucking Barry this Rolling Stones version. version. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that a Stone song? No, no. I haven't mixed up with Angie. Angie, um, Angie's a great song, but that is Stones, yeah. and Barry Manilow is Mandy. That's it. Thank you. Uh, Desperado. I also gave the heart to. I also like their cover of Sweet Caroline. Yeah, I gave a heart to that one too. Um, Wildfire. I thought was really fucking sick. I thought that them singing like this sad cowboy song was really cool. I didn't actually know that song before popping on this CD. I didn't know it either. Um, I never heard of it. The, so I the real version kind of sucks. I think to be honest with you, it looks. So I looked it up on Spotify and I saw the album cover like of the guy that did it, and I was like. This is gonna be a real crapshoot. This is gonna be a real coin toss. Yeah. This is gonna be. Yeah. Um. But I really, really, really loved calling occupants of interplanetary crap. It's good. Incredible. It's really good. Incredible. It's really fun and fucking good, actually. So yeah. Yeah. Um. I think in addition, I gave the main heart. I mean, I actually gave. I don't. I'm not really stingy with the heart, to be honest with you. On Spotify, if I like something, it gets the heart. Um. Yeah. But these are sort of the cream of the crop for me. These these ones that I'm about to mention. Good vibrations. Uh, I'll yep. take it over the God Only Knows cover, to be honest with you. I like the God Only Ones a little bit more, but I, I respect that. Uh, Space Oddity, I think is great. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Mandy, I got on there as well. I think the run of Mandy, Help Me, Rhonda, and Desperado is probably my favorite like run on the album as far as like tracks are concerned. Yeah. Uh, but then also Sweet Caroline, Rhiannon, and Calling All Occupants of Interplan- Interplanetary Craft, which I also didn't know before listening to this album, uh, but was a Carpenter oh, yeah, song. the... It's yeah, it there's the Carpenter's version is the most well-known version, but even that is technically a cover but from some um really obscure oh, like prog kind of psych band, I think, but if anybody if somebody knows a version of that song, it is most likely the Carpenter's version, which uh fucking is Rip City. I love that song. Which <laughs> In one? All its iterations. Calling Occupants. Oh yeah, yeah Planetary yeah, yeah. Craft. Uh, cool. <laughs> the Langley School's Music Project is a collection of recording of children's choruses singing pop hits by the likes of the Beach Boys, Paul McCartney, and David Bowie. Originally recorded in 1976 through 1977, they were found and re-released 25 years later in 2001 and became a cult hit. It was then re-released on vinyl on March 9th, 2018 by Barnon Records. 
The project was undertaken in 1976 and 77 by Canadian music teacher Hans Fenger with students from four different elementary schools of the Langley School District in uh, British Columbia, Canada. Recordings were made in a school gym in Langley and Metro Vancouver. Two LPs were then released, 1976's Lochiel, Glenwood, and South Carvolth schools, I hope I'm saying that right, and 1977's Hans Fenger slash Wicks Brown Elementary School. Fenger later said, quote, I knew virtually nothing about conventional music education and didn't know how to teach singing. Above all, I knew nothing of what children's music was supposed to be, but the kids had a grasp of what they liked, emotion, drama, and making music as a group. Whether the results were good, bad, in tune, or out of tune, it was no big deal to me. They had Elon, E-L-A-N, which I'm not sure what that means. Yeah, not sure 100% what that means. Uh, Probably some of that, like, je ne sais quoi, like, (laughs) unspeakable, you know, thing that makes someone alluring. Uh, This was not the way music was traditionally taught, but then I never liked conventional children's music anyway, which is condescending and ignores the reality of children's lives, which can be dark and scary. Uh, just got a text from Uncle Brian. (laughs) I forgot to to do the old do not disturb on that one. Shout out to Uncle Brian. Uh, Children hate cute. They cherished the songs that evoked loneliness and sadness. And I think that's a really important point that Fenger brings up because when you're a kid, at least when I was a kid, I didn't really care if something was cute or not. I just wanted to be interested and gripped by something. And I think that the same things that grip adults, quote unquote, or a lot of the time, the same things that grip kids, they just don't yeah. know. It. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, so much of childhood, I think, um, is defined by this impatience to grow up and be an adult and have, like, all the privileges of adulthood. And that begins, totally. I think, by, like, really getting interested, like, when you realize that there's, like, movies that only adults see or TV that only adults see. Absolutely. Music, that you, you know, that's just for adults or whatever. And I'm with you, like, after a certain age, just things being kind of cute didn't appeal to me as much. I was more interested in some, like, some, like, more interested in stuff that I felt I could relate to, you know? Um, uh, and I think Yeah, that something that actually had, like, some weight to it, Some you know? weight, yeah. Something, um, or, yeah, or just something that was a little, uh, a little weirder. Um, but yeah, I think that it's, I, I like kids stuff that acknowledges darkness and kind of um how uh complex uh their emotions are because absolutely they're little children it it is just the fact of the matter and i think that other in art that doesn't you know do that is condescending to a certain degree you know so i think that finger makes a great point there uh fred schneider of the b52s called the project quote a haunting evocative wall of sound experience that is affecting in an incredibly visceral way Speaking of uh, children's quote unquote artists, Neil Gaiman commented, quote, Mm. I wish every school taught music like this. I wish every piece of music recorded in a school gymnasium were this haunting. And I then suspect that if I listen to them right, maybe they would be. He's a very interesting man. Neil Gaiman is. Um, VH1 coordinated a reunion with Fenger and dozens of former students in 2002 and produced a documentary about the project. Here's the best part. Screenwriter Mike White's concept for School of Rock was inspired by this CD, which is fucking dope. There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's the All right, Mikey. Stuff. That is the Mike good White. fucking stuff. Mike. Wait, hey, Mike, come here. Hey, hey like Mikey. Fucking... <laughs> I sound like Yogi fucking Bear. Uh, when Spike Jones approached Karen O to write the soundtrack to Where the Wild Things Are, he gave her Innocence and Despair as an mm. example of desired uh, the desired effect. Quote, simple melodies that were emotionally complex, something that both kids and adults would appreciate. That's all my fast facts. My Mercedes Valuable player of this uh, is just the idea to do this in the first place. Uh, just the idea to fucking record this and teach music like this and to uh, honor and enrich children's lives through actually complex art is my Mercedes Bible player of this. And this gets a regular old recommend from me for all the reasons I've outlined. Mason, give me your wrap up shit. I, my Mercedes Valuable player is going to be going to playing instruments very loud and out of tune, um, which (laughs) you get a lot of joy of out of it as a kid. And then you do music, uh, you, you take music lessons and that kind of gets taught out of you, but uh, it is a lot of fun to play an instrument very loud and just like kind of scream. And this album, this project has that in spades. It's the reason for its existence and we should celebrate that. I'm also going to give this a little, just a regular old recommendo on the stronger side though. Um, 
definitely give it a spin. I think it's it's interesting, and um, you will definitely find, excuse me, I think, something in this that speaks to speaks to you. So give it a shot. Yeah, you will definitely find a couple tracks that you think are like, damn, I could listen to this <clears throat> again and again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but enough of the good part of the show. Uh, let's <laughs> enough let's about go, the fun to, part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the, sh- the the movie of the week, Mason, which you yeah. have the honor of picking. Yeah, so, what's up with the movie? We this week I chose another movie I'd not seen before. It was in my watch list, both on Letterboxd and the Criterion Collection, and I thought, why not? This is the only thing that's speaking to me this week. We got Bruce Robinson's uh, comedy satire, uh, "How to Get Ahead in Advertising." Snap, 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 Great. Okay. <laughs> we both, yeah, great. We both did the snaps. Great. Um, okay. Why, why, why did you pick this fucking movie? It was just the only, it was when I was looking through and trying to come up with the movie to talk about, it was the only thing that was like, this, I, based off the log line, I thought this was going to be a much different and kind of grosser movie. And there was also like a fair amount of letter, letterboxed reviews that were really put into some like decent expectations on this. Um, and before we get too far ahead of this, of the topic here, before we get too far into my thoughts, rather, Noe, I just do want to say, I think I'm going to agree with you on this movie more than you're expecting. <laughs> uh, um, <good. laughs> uh, because uh, I watched this movie last night and I was unfortunately disappointed with the experience. Yeah, it kind of is not a fun watch no actually, at a certain level i was really surprised this movie had as much of like the sort of mean of the reviews of my friends on letterbox who had seen this were like three and a half to four stars so i was expecting something worthwhile and i just and i also kind of wanted to watch this because i'd never seen with nail and i before okay and i was like yeah i was like maybe because bruce robinson richard e grant it's their follow-up basically and i was like you know i don't know when i'm gonna feel the initiative to watch with nail and i but maybe if i watch this other project it will kind of give me a sense for what they're what that would be and now if i'm curious to watch with nail and i it's just in like the hope against hope that I like it more than I like this movie. Yes. Yes. Uh, I did not know that this was a British comedy <laughs> before I put it on. Uh, I didn't know. I, I should have given you a content warning. Um, and, I'm fe- and as is very uh, made aware on this show, that is one of my least favorite things in the entire world. Yeah. Uh, so that was awesome when I turned it on and everyone started speaking with a British accent. Uh, and also and that there were knew. no subtitles on the Criterion channel uh, to, to help make things easier to understand. That was an unfortunate surprise. Yeah, just the just the entire just the just the entire fact that it's a British comedy sucks. Uh, so <laughs> so there's that. Um, I just don't even. I just it's like I don't even really know what to say about it other than just like it's not funny, which is like. Uh, that's like the offense number one. You know like what right I think. You know what I think. Um, the reason why it's not funny is because there's a lot of talking at you in this movie. Yes, there is. It's like so wordy and so n- like it doesn't do anything. It's just like advertising is bad, and it's like, dude, we know that. You know. Yeah. So it doesn't help that, like, you know, I'm, I'm, it doesn't, it doesn't help this movie and watching this movie for me that I'm just always constantly watching, rewatching Mad Men and just, oh, sure. You know, but even with that aside, I feel like you, it's different eras, different countries, all that stuff. You'd think that there would be something here that would make you understand, like, it just feels like this is, this Bruce Robinson is just so angry at a specific type of guy that just, doesn't exist anymore or is like way more ruthless and uh evil nowadays and so this is just kind of like i'm watching this movie and i'm like i you're not giving me a good reason why i should care about anything happening on screen and it's this kind of weird uh (laughs) like dissonance because you can tell richard e grant is a good actor like he is like talented yeah he is doing the best he can with what is on with yeah. what's in front of him, you know? He's, I mean, aside from I wanted to give this movie a fair shake and finish it, his performance and watching him twist through, like, twist and turn throughout this movie was one of the 
main reasons why I kept it on for its entire runtime. If I just sure. turned this on one day, I probably would have fucking turned it off and watched something else. You know? Yeah, if um, I had to watch this for the show, I mean, if I didn't have to watch it for the show, it would be off after about, you know, the halfway mark, you know, basically. I got, so. God, I, I was watching this and I had to get up to like get more snacks or pee or something. And, um, I got up and I paused the movie and there was still half an hour left. And I was just like, fuck out. I thought yeah, I was just dude, gonna the have, last like, a act is so fucked. Was this did, in your fast facts? I thought I read this ahead of time, but in your fast facts, did you see that this was? If did you notice if this was based off of a short concept or not, like a short film or a short story uh, or something? Not, not, not to my fucking research. It looked okay. like it was just okay. a screenplay that was birthed out of the idea of, of Bruce Robinson. Um, well, they really should. Interesting. It, it, what I, there's. I don't know. There's maybe a half an hour version of this that's better. That's 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 condensed to some degree that makes you feel something. But this is 95 interminable. <laughs> it's interesting because I couldn't think of a great analog to this or like a great like comparison point. But the only one that really came to mind and I think is a good enough example is the 2005 Jason Reitman debut. Thank you for smoking. Uh, I've never seen that actually. So. The only reason that you bring it up is because in this movie, in How to Get Ahead in Advertising, there's, like, no showing of anything. Everything is told to you, and, Mm -hmm. you know, if you just have to sit there and listen to it, basically, and it's like, I might as well be reading this from, like, a textbook at the end of the day. Like, why watch this as a movie? Yeah. Whereas in Thank You for Smoking, it's about a guy who works for a tobacco company and basically is like, there's no evidence that, you know, smoking cigarettes is cancerous and kills you and, you know, is bad for your health or whatever. It's one of those guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's, like, great at his job. But because he's so, like, evilly dedicated to doing that, Mm-hmm. You understand the satire of the cigarette companies and of advertising because it's shown to you yeah. through mm-hmm. his behavior mm-hmm. and through the actions that he takes and how people respond to him. Mm-hmm. They don't sit there and tell you advertising is evil. They don't have to because they're showing you advertising is evil and they're showing you the negative effects of advertising, especially yeah. in this situation of cigarettes. So why watch this movie? When A, you could just watch any vis- video essay that's ever been made in your entire <laughs> life. You could just go on YouTube and look up a video essay and just watch that instead, and it's fine. You can watch Nostalgia <laughs> Critic instead of. <laughs> <laughs> just go on, look at watch a couple hours of Nostalgia Critic. Hey, watch all of Nostalgia Critic, actually. Just go on and binge all of Nostalgia Critic. Instead of watching this, you'll probably have a little bit more fun. Uh, and even though Richard E. Grant is clearly like a good actor and is like doing his best, I still don't think it's like a particularly interesting character or performance. And that's like the hard part, you know? I think that the, um, I think the performance, because there's nothing else happening in the movie, the performance is really magnetic in a way. Um, it has to be. It was to me. He is really pulling this movie along by sheer... He has just such a good face. You know, he has those huge, like, just clear blue eyes um, and just a right. really expressive face that he, um, scene to scene, he's doing something different with the character. But it, I... And I'm impressed by it, but I, I keep just coming back to the fact that I don't give a shit about anything that's happening to this guy. I don't give a shit about yeah. what he thinks. I don't give a shit about his job. Um... It's it would be one thing if like he was a shitty person, you know, if they if they they were making a point about how shitty of a person he was. And then, you know, the sort of ancillary other cast was like also sort of dynamic in their own way or relatable or something. But there's nobody here that you can latch on to. He has a wife that puts up with him for no reason whatsoever (laughs) that just is there, even though this man has been is a nightmare from the first minute that we see him. And she's. No reason in the text why she's so patient with this guy, and she would probably be happier if she just ended up leaving. Probably be better for her and all of that, too. Um, his boss or his mentor, whoever the fuck he talks to, doesn't have anything really interesting to tell him. Um, and their relationship is like, I they're avoiding each other for a little bit of time, and then he just goes to him for help. Other, t- It's so fucking frustrating this movie watching it it's and the thing that we haven't said yet that is sort of the like 
like cherry on top of like why this movie might be interesting. Yeah, is because he develops he's a, he's developing a product or an advertising campaign for skin cream. Uh, for yeah. health, what we now call skincare routines. Yeah. What Mason and I spend four hours every morning looking at each other via FaceTime doing before we start our day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't you don't can't refute that or else I'll come to Chicago and give you a kiss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, okay, maybe cut that out. <laughs> maybe maybe cut that out. Uh, we're back. Uh, the reason. <laughs> the yeah, actually cut that out. Thanks. Um, okay. The, the uh, reason why this movie might be interesting is because there is a boil, a zit, a pimple, yeah. a growth yeah, yeah, that yeah. grows on his neck and starts talking to him. It starts growing eyes. It grows a mouth. It even gets to the point where maybe it even grows uh, a head. And you, you know, if you know the movie, maybe that is a pun. Ha ha. Uh, how do you get a head in advertising? Mm-hmm. Uh, ha, very funny. One of the probably the funniest part of the movie, to be honest with you, is the title. Um, <laughs> is the title, yeah. and you don't even know why. Um, so that's why you'd watch the movie. It's like, oh, there's this fucking growth happening to this guy, and that's you're right, Mason. They don't make him out to be a dickhead, really. They make him out to be like a type A personality. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's yeah. really yeah, what they yeah, make yeah. him out to be is like a. Like a go-getter, you know, but he's not. He's not a go-getter. He's a piece of shit. He's an asshole. Yeah, he sucks. Um, and you're right. I was ex- I was kind of hoping that this was going to be, like, more of a uh, kind of a, a, a fun makeup or prosthetics kind of, like, creature sort of movie where, like, he has this boil and it's, like, feeding him pitches or something, um, you know, and that would be a little yeah. more integrated into it. Just, you know, something interesting, but no, it just, it, it caused... It, happens because he has stress and then it becomes literally another head and um you're just kind of like okay yeah there's no reason to care about it at all yeah right <laughs> it just sucks it, it i was yeah. i was hoping i would i'm i there's no logical way for me to fit this in here but uh i wanted to say at one point i was chuffed to bits by this movie I was chuffed to bits. So I'm going to say it right there. Nice. Uh, still don't like British comedy. Uh, there should be a website that's like, is it Christmas yet? In that style where it's like, does no one like, like British, British comedies yet? Just, uh, yeah. Um, no. So the answer is still, and you go every day and that's funny and your aunt shares it on Facebook and is yeah. like, I just discovered this awesome website. Yeah. Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> yeah. And then you click on it and it says, does Noah like British comedies yet? And it still says no. Um, so that would be kind of funny, maybe if there was a website like that that existed. You know, that would be kind of awesome, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, the answer's no. Probably the answer will be no for a while. Um, but Edgar Wright is really good. Edgar Wright's great, but that's like a little different. I feel like. You mean like this is kind of like an Edgar Wright movie? Like I I'm not no sure. no no. I just like Edgar Wright, and he's British and does comedy. Oh movies. oh sure 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 right right right. But he's right. it's like a like an entirely different thing because he's so yeah like, he, he's he yeah 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 um yeah. Well, he like he can speak pop culture in a way that's kind of like music. It transcends language and culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, this kind of like more specific British stuff is just not quite your not quite your tempo or your yeah, song not quite my tempo, not quite my not quite my favorite song, uh, not quite anything that I like. It's not on your list. It's never on your list. It's not on my list. It's actually fucked that you even brought it up on this show <laughs> in the first place, knowing uh, what we like about I this show and what we don't. Wasn't so. ex- I should have known when I chose it, but I guess my head was just not in uh, look at be on the lookout for British comedy for Noah sort of yeah. uh, zoned. So that's why this happened. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. I, I played to myself this. too. Like you realize this. Like I ended yes. up playing myself because I. Chose- I'm, a, I'm actually glad you played yourself. I was uh, really right, scared right. you were coming, going to come into this and be like, "This is actually a, this is actually good. This is actually a really good movie." And I'd have to be like, "You're just a fucking liar." Like, yeah. I would just literally have to be like, "Dude, you're just a fucking liar." No, so. you want to? I wrote down. I just wrote down blah a lot of times in my notes. I don't know if you can tell, but I did just write blah a bunch in my notes. I couldn't tell, but I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah, I wrote blah to talky. I think I wrote feels like a chore. <laughs> it does feel like a chore. I mean, oh, really, I wrote, any- here's the other thing about this fucking movie. It's tone is all over the place. And at one point I just wrote down, tone it down, <laughs> tone it, turn it off, turn, turn it the off. TV off. 
Um, is there anything else that we need to say about this movie? I feel like we've I feel like we've kind of gotten our point across of like you should not watch. Um, this movie. I guess if there was one bright spot for me, it's connected to Richard E. Grant. But when he goes evil, like when Richard E. Grant goes Joker, that was kind of the best part of the movie for me. Like Joker, like when he gets the what mustache. Is that refer- what is that in reference to Joker? What is that? Oh. Oh, you don't. What is that? What is well, that? I, in I, I'll have to, to tell you off mic. I'll have to tell you off mic. I'm sorry. I don't think Got the listeners it. will. I don't think the listeners could handle it. I'll have to tell you. I off just. Mic. It's like I've never. I don't know. Which, I, it's just a weird. Way I know. I know. I'm sorry. Know. I'm sorry. I forgot. I I, I I I forget that not everybody knows what that means. Well, we, we can talk off mic if. Okay. It, we'll tell no the listeners in the future if if it's you know if you think they can handle it, but we'll talk about it off mic. Okay. No worry. I'm actually very interested to know what and going Joker means. It sounds like a very weird thing, but maybe it's actually very cool. And a lot of people will like it. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Maybe, 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 maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Uh, okay. You want fast facts time? Yeah, a little fasty, little fasty facty. Great. Uh, How to Get Ahead in Advertising is a 1989 British black comedy fantasy film. Fantasy is very generous on Wikipedia yeah. calling this a fantasy film. Written and directed by Bruce Robinson, starring Richard E. Grant. The title is a pun. Haha. This is literally on the Wikipedia page. The title is a pun and it can be taken literally as how to get ahead. In advertising. Uh-huh. That's hilarious to me. That's it. You know what? That is so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny to me. That's so cool. <laughs> That's so cool that it's so funny. That is so fucking funny to me. Uh, wow. Sorry. I just got a little emotional thinking about it. Um, in an interview with Jimmy Kimmel in 2019, excuse me, in, 20, yeah, in 2019, Richard E. Grant said that Jim Carrey called him a genius for his work mm. in the film. Mm. I guess that kind of makes sense, but uh, I'm not going to say genius. I'm going to say he's doing the best he can is what yeah. I'm going to say. Nice. Very generous The classic. You. Yeah, well, he is doing the best he can, I think, actually. Um, not as far as his ability is concerned, just with what he's given. Right. Uh, right, 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 right. The classic Aston Martin scene under a dust sheet is the Bagley's garage, uh, in the Bagley's garage, belonged to writer-director Bruce Robinson. It is a 1961 DB4 convertible of which only 70 were made. He owned it for 30 years, and it was auctioned off in 2008. It was also seen in the background of With Nail and I when the boys leave London for their, quote, weekend in the country. Hmm. Bruce Robinson is an English actor, director, screenwriter, and novelist. As an actor, he worked with Franco Zeffirelli, playing Ben Benvolio in Romeo and Juliet, 1968. Oh. He also worked with Ken Russell and Francois Truffaut. Hmm. Kind of cool. Yeah, who cares? Doesn't yeah, sure. matter. Uh, after, <laughs> after spending several years out of work and living on social security payments, he became disenchanted and began writing screenplays instead. He was soon commissioned by David Putnam to write the screenplay for The Killing Fields, which was brand new to me. I did not know that he wrote the screenplay of The Killing Fields. Mm. I've never seen that movie, but my dad likes that movie a lot. Hmm. Uh, Robinson was nominated for an Academy Award and actually won a BAFTA for his work uh, writing the screenplay for The Killing Fields. Congratulations. Hey, congratulations, Bruce. Uh, Bruce Robinson is also a successful author. His first published work was a semi-autobiographical novel called The Peculiar Memories of Thomas Pen- Penman in 1998, based on his own childhood growing up in Broadstairs, Kent, England. In the year 2000, Smoking in Bed, Conversations with Bruce Robinson, edited by Alistair Owen, was published, made up of a selection of interviews given by Robinson. Meanwhile, since becoming a father, Robinson also has written two children's books, the Obvious Elephant and Harold the Duck, both illustrated by his wife, Mason. I know you love some Harold the Duck. I do love me some Harold the Duck. Yeah, that's kind of one. That's, if, I know one th- if, I, <laughs> if I know one thing about you, if I know one person's got me, it's Harold the Duck got me, you know? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, easy MVP on this one, Richard E. Grant. For yeah, same here. Said. Same here. Uh, and I do not recommend this movie to anybody. No. <laughs> No! <laughs> is this the first time that we've rec- uh, no? I don't. I think we both did not recommend or conditionally recommended uh, Life During Wartime, right? I don't uh, remember. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Someone awesome. get started on our wikia so that we don't have to keep track of this all the fucking time. Like, what? What is the good? What is the good of having a podcast if people won't make a wikia for your show? What is the What is the good of having a podcast um, if not to talk to your friend Mason once a week? That's true. What good is a podcast if not to kick your water bottle open while you're talking with your buddy Noah? Dude, you are fucking high off that Easter candy, bro. You are fucking losing. I'm why I'm jacked to the tits. On I'm hyper. Peeps. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyper. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little hyper eating these peeps and these Cadbury cream eggs. Do you like peeps? I do like peeps, actually. I think that they're a good once a year treat. 
I agree with you, actually. I think that they're fun to eat during... I don't even celebrate Easter, but I think they're fun to eat during Easter. Yeah, but it's it's nice to see them... It's, <laughs> it's nice to see the peeps harvest every March or April <laughs> at Walgreens. That's the name of our side podcast is Peep Harvest. Peep Harvest. <laughs> What's it about? Um... It's kind of just like two boys, two guys talking. Yeah. Kind of one of those podcasts. Just like two guys shooting the shit, you know? Yeah, I, I I think that the thing that makes us different from every other podcast is that, like, we're the hosts, you know? Like, it's just sure. the thing that we bring, you know? Like, that's why people tune in every week. Is It's just, it's you know, it's just us, you know? It's just that undeniable fucking chemistry between you and me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why people die. That's why people tune in. Uh, okay, we're done with the show. Woo. Uh, congratulations, everyone. You made it to the end of the show. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, letterbox for me at Noah Marger on Twitter, at Noah.Marger on Instagram, at Moa Narger on Letterboxd. You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. This week, I was fortunate enough to be able to interview Dylan Slocum. Dylan Slocum. Hell from yeah, actually, you did. Yeah, from Spanish Love Songs. All right, is, brother. Yeah, which is we've covered on this show before. We covered their 2020 album, Brave Faces, everyone, back in the early days of the pandemic. Uh, so if you enjoyed that episode or you enjoyed that album or you just hate me, either one, uh, just go and listen to that when that comes out this Thursday. It'll be out already, I guess, by the time this comes out. Uh, yeah, very awesome of Dylan to give me an hour and a half of his time. And we talked and talked about concerts. So you get to hear about Dylan's favorite concerts, uh, which is very cool. And then, obviously, your local government stuff, Instagram and YouTube, YLG.world on Instagram, your local government comedy on Twitter, all in the description, of course. And I actually got two other recommendos for you this okay. time, Jason. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. First other recommendo, Olivia Rodrigo has a new song out, and it's really good. Okay. <laughs> it's called Deja Vu. Okay. Uh, shout out to Abigail Sims for letting me know about that. Uh, that's my first other recommendo. But my real other recommendo, I actually do recommend Deja Vu by uh, but this real other recommendo is something I'm actually very happy to be able to recommend as well. This was done by a good friend of mine, someone who's been on the show. Haven't had him on the show since the L.A. days, actually, but Alan Macchiarolo. Uh, shout out to Alan Macchiarolo. He, on election night, put up a live-streamed concert by his band hmm. called the Talks Hard's Election Night Special. Uh, and all all as far as i know of the individual performances are now up on youtube hell yeah it's a long thing it's about a you know two and a half possibly even three hour long thing i would actually recommend watching all of them they are very talented musicians there's even some original songs in there if you like my cover of rock in the suburbs they also do a cover of rocking well, i did a parody they actually do a real cover of rock in the suburbs and I'm going to send Mason the link, and he was going Thank to you. throw that link in the description. Yes, it will be. At minimum, check out the songs that look interesting to you. They even did like a reworked version of The Revolution Will Not Be Televised by Gil Scott Heron. They had some guest performers in there. They had a couple skits in there as well. I was really proud of what they were able to do. And so highly recommend going to check that out. And I'm Like I said, the link with that will be in the description. I'm going to send that to you, Mason. But... I'm happy to be able to recommend that, to be honest with you. I think it turned out really great. Uh, and I am biased, obviously, because Alan's my good friend, but I really actually do think it's good. And I do think that anyone uh, would, rec- would like it. Anyone would anyone would like it, hey. mate. Mate! Mike. Anyone would <coughs> like it, mate. Hell yeah. But that's all I got. Mason, take us home. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at HotDogDebicki or at GoodSkyTonight, T-O-N-I-T-E. Always forget to plug that. You can Thank also, God you're getting that in the plug. Yeah, you can also find me today, Friday, um, my friend Heaven Ramirez's podcast, Heads Will Roll, had R-O-L-L, had me on to talk about Mad Men. So you can have listen to our conversation wherever you find those podcasts. I will link to it uh, when the episode drops. Um, you can also find me on my other podcast of my own, The Barna Podcast about The Shield, which we have just wrapped up and we will have, Woo! yeah, and we will have some news regarding a new podcast after, uh, in a couple of weeks here. But, um, for now there's that, find us at the link trees, send us an email, everybody wants to, the number two, get on the list at gmail.com, find us on Twitter, again, links in the description, best place to find all that information. So for now, we will leave by saying... Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, abolish, defund the police, save the United States Post Office, um, let's just go big today, fuck 
the president. Fuck Joe Biden. Fuck the United States of America. And we will see you all um, next time after you give a friend of yours a little message that says I love you. Tell someone you love them this week. I almost forgot to say that. And now that I've done that, bye-bye. Every week I tell I give Mason a kiss. Bye. Like a big ass crave case or something. Uh...